Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, and we're going to read down through verse 8. I had intended to cover this and the Lord's Prayer and, and was working towards that end. And I just thought, well, either they're going to get 12 points or they're going to get five today and, and some more next week. So uh, we had to pause halfway. So we're going to read five through eight and, and begin to talk about this uh, thing, this, this thing called real prayer. Uh, Matthew chapter six, starting in verse five, Jesus says, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. I've got five brief things I want to share with you this morning. They're going to go pretty quick. Uh, first and foremost, I want you to understand that real prayer demands humility. Real prayer demands humility. Look at, at verse 5. It says, the, the hypocrites love to pray. Now, that word hypocrite should tell you that this is not real prayer. This is not real prayer. So the hypocrites, the, the false prayers, they love to pray. It says, standing in the synagogues, and on the street corners. Now, in his commentary on Matthew, Donald Hagner rightly reveals the motives of of the Pharisees and the scribes here by translating that, that word standing as a phrase. He translates it as this, positioning themselves conspicuously. And when you read it in context like that, it, it, it would say, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, positioning themselves conspicuously, in the synagogues and on the street corners. And friends, that's exactly what they were doing. That was exactly their motivation. Now, you need to know that, that for Jews, it, it was not uncommon to pray standing up. And in fact, you know, many times that was called for. You also need to know they kind of had a rule that wherever you were uh, at, at the time of prayer, you should stop wherever you were at the time of prayer and you should pray right there. Okay, so Jesus isn't getting on to them for doing that. What he's saying is these guys, these hypocrites, these fake prayers, right? It, it, it just it, He's astounded by the fact that they always find themselves at the busiest of streets. And we'll get to that in a second in the Greek. But they're always at the busiest of streets or they're at a place of honor in the synagogue. They're always there at the time of prayer. Isn't it amazing? They're never at home at the time of prayer. They're, they're never in a secret place at the time of prayer. They're always at the time of prayer. They're always out in public where they can be seen by men. And then I want you to notice the posture by which they pray. He says they're always standing. They're always standing in these places. And friends, when they stood in these places, it wasn't a small thing. When they stood in these places, it was as if they, they stood up. So that all men could see and they would stand there and take a pose like this with their hands held up and their face towards the sky. And you say, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, Jesus told us so when he talked about the prayer of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee strolled right into the temple with his hands outstretched and his head towards heaven. He began to pray about himself. You remember, oh, God, thank you that I'm not like others. Thank you that I'm not a thief. Thank you that I'm not an adulterer. And thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. This is how they prayed. And Jesus says, listen, folks, that's not real prayer. 
That's not real prayer. Real prayer demands humility. Real prayer demands humility. And listen, you may find yourselves in places where you may not be able to to bow your knee, but I promise you this, you can always bow your heart. You can always bow your heart. That's, That's what real prayer is about. And guys, these men, these hypocrites... They couldn't pray that way. They, 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 they thought it was unfathomable to bow down in prayer. They thought it was unfathomable to bend their knee before God. They, they weren't willing to do that. Well, guess what? Real prayer is uncomfortable. It is. Humility is uncomfortable, friends. But that's at the heart of real prayer. Real prayer involves us getting uncomfortable and going before a holy God and saying, God, I'm not. God, I'm in need. And as American Christians, that may be one of the strongest messages we need to hear today. See, we have everything that we want. We go home and all of our comforts are taken care of. You're still in need, friend. You're in greater need than you think even. All right? Real prayer always involves humility. It's telling God that we need Him and that we cannot do it on our own. Number two, I want you to see this morning that real prayer is not a performance. Real prayer is not a performance. Again, verse five says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Get this to be seen by men. That's 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 the giver right there that tells you everything you need to know. Now, that 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 phrase street corners actually it, it means it means the wide streets. See, the, the Pharisees didn't stand in the narrow alleys. That's where the beggars would sit. The beggars would position themselves in the narrow alleys so you actually had to step over them to get where you're going. That way they could make sure they could, they could get something. That's not what the Pharisees wanted. They didn't want one-on-one contact, friends. They wanted the largest audience possible. The Pharisees took the basic business model and they figured out where the most foot traffic was. By the way, it was the same model that the prostitutes took, but I'm just saying. They found the busiest thoroughfares and there they decided to go and stand before all men and there they would recite their memorized prayers and they would recite it with great dramatic ability. Oh, dear God, I thank you. And you can imagine. And, 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 and there people, when they passed by, they were just awestruck by these people and they would say, oh, God, I wish I could pray like them. God, I wish I could pray like that. No, friend, you don't. You don't. You can say, oh, I wish I could act like that. But you shouldn't say, I wish I could pray like that, because that's not real prayer. They, they, they did it. Their aim was to be heard by men. This is a performance for them. Like last week, Jesus says that's not real. You remember when he talked about giving? He said, if you're giving for the praise of others, that's not real giving. And the same is true about prayer. If you're, if, if you're praying to be heard by others so that they will think highly of you, you're not really praying at all. Real prayer is not a performance. Now, along those lines, I want to encourage you with something. Maybe you're one of those people that occasionally you get asked to pray out loud. Does that happen for you? I don't know about your family, but if you're in the ministry and you go to a family event, you are going to pray. That's what's going to happen. Uh, I, I, I looked at my, I'm like, my father, I'm like, dude, you're a deacon. 
Okay? We're in the same thing together. I'm looking at it, it, everybody else. But you're paid to do it. I said, not here. That doesn't count. Uh, but, but it happens. But maybe you're there and you get asked to pray in public. Maybe it, it's an invocation, something like that. And, and the problem is that we're kind of afraid of speaking in public. You know that that's the number one fear uh, in America is to speak in public? Did you know that? Followed by number two, which is death. Uh, Right? Right? More people are afraid to speak in public than they are to die, which of course that means you've heard the joke, right? That means that if, if there's a funeral, you'd rather be the person in the casting than the person giving the eulogy, okay? That's pretty terrible, but it's true. And so maybe you're asked to pray and you have this inkling, you think, well, you know what? I should write that down. I'll write it down that way I can have this eloquent prayer. No, 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 no. That's a performance. Here's what you can write down. You can write down a speech. You can write down what, what you want to say to people. But when it comes to prayer, please don't write down anything more than what you're praying about. I mean, if you're really nervous, you don't want to forget that you're praying for graduates, for instance, okay? You don't want to get up before everybody, really nervous. Dear Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it. Like, you don't want to do that at a graduation. So maybe you just make yourself a note, pray for the graduates. But when it comes time to pray, your job is not to read something off a sheet of paper Your job is to humbly go before your Creator and to speak to your Father's heart on behalf of others. That's your job. That's what real prayer is. Real prayer is not a performance, okay? Number three, I want you to see this morning that real prayer occurs in a private place. Real prayer occurs in a private place. Look at verse 6 with me. It says, But when you pray, go into your room and close the door And pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Go into your room and and close the door. Now I want you to understand this is not a prohibition uh, against all public prayer. That's not what this is saying. But here's what it is saying. Here's what it is saying. Ready? Even when in public. You might want to write this down. Even when in public, your prayer should come from a private place. Do you follow me? Even, even, even when in public, even when you're at prayer meeting and you're sitting at the table with everybody else that's praying, guess what? Your prayer in that moment, it's got to come from, from within you. It's got to come from a, a, a private place, a, a secret room, if you will. The, the, and, and the point, of course, is directed to the very nature of God. Friends, uh, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's everywhere that we see and he's everywhere that we we don't see. You can't contain God, right? Death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. Laws definitely can't keep him out. We can pass every law we want to and say, well, we can't have the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. Well, you're not going to keep God out of court, right? And you say, well, you can't pray in school. Well, you can't keep God out of there. He's everywhere. Now, you can spend all your time and all your free time passing every bill and legislative policy that you want to, but it's not going to affect the truth of God that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And that's at the heart of what Jesus is teaching. He's telling his followers, listen, you don't have to go to the temple to pray. Friends, I hope that the only time you pray is not here at church. I hope you don't just show up on Sunday for your time of prayer. That's 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 crazy. It flies in the face of Scripture. Jesus is saying you don't have to pray at the temple and you don't have to pray on the street corner. Go in into your bedroom. Go into your kitchen. Shut the door and there pray to God because God sees everything. And the Father who is unseen sees everything and He hears everything. And I promise you, He says, He'll honor that prayer. He'll honor that prayer that is meant and directed only towards Him. It's a big deal. That's what real prayer 
is about. Real uh, prayer occurs in a private place. Now, I want to share with you, some of you, man, you're like us. Maybe maybe you have more kids than you can count these days. Uh, and it feels like it, there's never a private place. Any moms feel that way? Any mothers feel that way? There's never a private moment, right? Uh, yeah, it, it happens sometimes. Maybe you're at work and you feel like, I can never, I, I can never get away. I, there's never a time for me to have that private moment. Well, I want to tell you, I believe with all my heart, this isn't just talking about a physical place. I think it's also talking about a mental place. Friends, there are times that in the midst of our busyness, we've got to shut all that out. And we've got to just go into that secret room and we've got to pray to Jesus and say, God, I need your help. Jesus, you know what's going on right now. You know all this craziness around me. You know that even as I'm talking to you, people are screaming at me and they want my attention, but I need you. That's what real prayer is about. Real prayer occurs in a private place. Number four, number four, fly through these as quick as we can. I want you to see this morning that real prayer is always focused on the Father. Real prayer is always focused on the Father. Now, uh, Jesus is going to teach us how to pray next week and got a sneak peek of that this morning as we we sang the Lord's Prayer, uh, of course, which addresses not only how should you pray, but who should you pray to. And and, and Jesus begins that prayer with our, our Father. Our Father. He says, pray to your Father. Now, why do we do that? Because that's exactly who God is to us now. I want you to think about the mystery of the Gospel. You know, Paul was a big you know, proponent talking about the mystery of the gospel. What is the mystery of the gospel? It's Christ in you. Why is that a mystery? Because of who you were, right? The, the, the Bible would tell us that at one point we were enemies of God and we were objects of God's wrath. Here's the crazy thing, right? But because of Jesus and our faith in Christ and his perfect life and his death, which paid for our sins and our acceptance of that, because of Jesus, we've been raised up. This is all Ephesians 2, by the way. And we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, right? And it says we now have a new office. We're not foreigners and aliens anymore, but now we're citizens of God's kingdom and get this, members of his household, by which we now cry out, Abba, Father. Father, God, our our Father. Man, that's the mystery of the gospel, friends. That people that were at enemies with God, people that were objects of his wrath, people that were caught up in rebellion, can now call God Father. Isn't that good news? That's good news. And, and so when we pray, that's who we're supposed to pray to. That's what prayer is. You know, Jesus uses the term Father 43 times in the book of Matthew. 43 times. You know, 28 of those times, He uses it with a personal pro, pronoun, my Father, your Father, our Father. That's who we pray to. Prayer is, is us personally speaking to our Heavenly Father. That's what prayer is. It's personal conversation with our Heavenly Father. And and that's why anything short of God being our intended audience in prayer is false prayer. Anything short of that is false prayer. I've got a quote for you in in your sermon notes. I'm going to put it on this screen. This is from Charles uh, Quarles. And I I love this. And, And man, this hit me right between the eyes. It's this prayer offered to impress people Prayers offered to impress people are idolatry, masquerading as piety. For they address prayer to human beings instead of God, who is the one and only proper focus of prayer. When you pray, God must be your audience. If anyone else is your audience, it's not prayer. It's idolatry. Whew. Okay? 
Number five, and then we're done. I want you to see this morning that real prayer is about surrender, not coercion. Real prayer is about surrender, not coercion. Uh, Verses 7 and 8, we're just walking through this together. Verse 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now to get this, to really understand this, we've got to know what was being taught about prayer in Jesus' day. And there's two groups that are teaching about prayer, okay? The first group are the Gentiles. These are people that, by the way, they they didn't just believe in one God, they believed in many God, but here's what they believed about prayer. To be heard by the gods, prayer must be long, and it must be full of constant and continual repetitive flattery, right? Right? If you wanted the gods to hear you, you had to butter them up. You following me? So, so this is what they would do. Their prayers would be these long, drawn out. They would use these repetitive, flattering uh, phrases. The other thing they would do is in their prayers, they would remind the gods what the gods owed them. Don't you remember that you owe me such and such and you owe me this and you owe me that? And they thought somehow by by doing all this, they could manipulate the gods and and, and coerce the gods into answering their prayers. And you say, well, that's so off base. Those Gentiles knew nothing about God. Well, let's look at what some of the Jewish teachers taught. All right. Some some of, of, of the great Jewish teachers, some of the greatest rabbis. This is what they taught about prayers. They, they taught that uh, lengthy Wordy prayers guaranteed a response from God. Lengthy, wordy prayers guaranteed a response from God. This is what they put in their own law. They they wrote, he who multiplies prayers will be heard. He who multiplies prayers will be heard. Now that's what's being taught in Jesus' day. Okay, either you've got the Gentiles version where you've got to butter them up and you've got to remind them of everything that they owe you. By the way, we are guilty of that. Right? Right? Uh, no, I'm the only sinner here. Me and Elvin, we are the only two sinners here that, that, that go to God and we say, Dear God, I have read my Bible every day this week. God, I've been living for you. God, I, I, I've been focused on your kingdom. Lord, I need a raise now, right? God, I need you to open this door. I need the house. I need the car. God, I need because I have. We're trying to manipulate the king of kings. We're trying to manipulate God into giving us what we want. Now, here's the problem with that, folks. If you know your Bible, you know that what we want is not what's best. (laughs) What God wants is what's best. And that's the heart of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, you don't need to babble. You don't need to keep on babbling and babbling, thinking somehow that you can coerce God into giving you what you need. God already knows what you need. So you see real prayer. Real prayer is not about coercion. It's not about manipulation. Real prayer, guys, is an understanding. And it's something only Christians can do. Because only Christians have the knowledge that God's will is always best. That God's will is always best. That God's ways are better than our ways, right? His thoughts aren't our thoughts and His ways aren't our ways, but we know that His ways are best. And so real prayer, friends, is not about asking for what we want. Real prayer is going before God and saying, God... I surrender to what you want because I know that it's better than anything I can ask for. Nobody's writing. You might want to write that down somewhere. Tattoo, something, in blood, whatever. Guys, this is the key. You and I are so frustrated because we feel like our prayers aren't being answered and we're praying for the wrong stuff. James says we do not have because we do not ask. And when we ask, we ask with the wrong what? Motives. 
We're asking God for the wrong stuff and we're asking God for the wrong stuff for the wrong reasons. And God is saying, I have the best stuff. Will you ask for that? My children, will you ask for that? Will you just come before me and stop trying to coerce me into giving you what you want? And instead, just come before me and ask me for what I have. Because I've got what's best. That's huge. I, I hope, I hope these five things blow your mind when it comes to prayer. And you come back next week and you're ready to learn how to do it. I hope, I hope. All right, one application and that's it. I told Tom I had five points. He was getting a little worried. I said, it's okay, I only have one application. We're going we're gonna to make it, we're going to make it. One application for you this week. Practice real prayer. No more false prayer. No more prayer about you. No more prayer about what you want. Real prayer. Humble means we can't come before God with, with, with our chest out and our head up. God, I've been so good. You haven't been good. Okay? I love you. I want to, I want to tell you this in love because I want you to leave here. I don't want you to just leave here mourning. Okay? But here's the truth. We are miserable failures, all right? Woohoo! Yay! Look what I learned in church. Right? We are. We're, we're miserable failures without God, and we so and like we know that, but we still step outside of God's will and try to do it on our own. God has to remind us, ha ha! No, you need me, right? Okay. So real prayer, humility. It's all about humility, right? It's not a performance. I'm not praying for others. I'm not trying to get their attention, right? Real prayer is not about that. Real prayer is coming before God. Humility, it's coming from that private place. It means that you're going to talk about the things that you're hurting and struggling with, and you're going to ask God to meet you where you are. And of course, its aim is always surrender. If God has what's best, we've got to surrender to what's best. It's time we stop asking for anything less. When you ask for all the other stuff, it's always less. It's always less of what God wants to give you. If you'll just come before him and say, God, I want to surrender to your will. I want your plan active in my life. And I want it now. I want to be the man or the woman that, that you want me to be. It's surrendering to his will. That is real prayer. And that's what I want you to practice this week. Now, here's the deal. With that said, we're going to move into a time of invitation. I want to explain to you what's going to happen. This time of invitation is, is strictly going to be a time of prayer. Now, you can come talk to me. That's okay if you need to. I understand that. But here is the invitation this morning. The invitation this morning is to practice real prayer. Now, that means I'm going to ask you to get uncomfortable. If you physically can and are able, I'm going to ask you to come and pray. You can come and pray down here. Maybe you can get out of the pew where you are and just manage to get down on a knee. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. You say, I don't, there are people watching me. Don't you know? I have a reputation. People look up to me. Well, that's great. It's not about you. It's about submitting to God, right? I promise you this. Jesus showed up this minute. We'd all be on our face. I promise you this. Jesus showed up right now. We wouldn't be sitting in our pews. We'd be on our face before him. We wouldn't, we wouldn't give a rip about what anybody else thought. Amen? Then why don't we act that way more often? It's church. It's a hospital. Guess what? All the patients in a hospital wear a gown, don't they? Right? None of the patients in the hospital are walking around with a white coat acting like they have it all together with a little thing around their neck. You can't wear the white coat acting like you have it all together here. None of us do, including the pastor. It's a hospital. Act like it. Act like you're a patient. Act like you're broken. Act like you're sick. It's real prayer. All right? So we're going to invite you to it. 
What is real prayer? It's about God's will. All right? So, so listen, as a church, supposedly we're praying and fasting the month of June about God's will and direction for our church. We're talking about expanding and buying land and all those kind of things. My fear is that many of us are just on a diet. You know what a diet is? It's fasting without prayer. There's, there's no really fasting. It's just a diet. Okay? It's not about a diet. It's about prayer. God, may your will be done in us and through us. I want to tell you this, guys. Friends, to, to be honest, I mean, that's long term and that's great that we're talking about having those conversations. But listen, all that means nothing. You can buy land and you can build churches. But if the people of God don't become the people of God, it's all pointless. If the people of God don't start submitting to God and saying, God, have me, here I am, use me, make me, make me look like you, uh, open my mouth, give me opportunities to win. If we don't do that, it's, we should close the doors now. It's all pointless. And so, so I'm going to invite you to something maybe you haven't participated in in quite a while. This morning we're going to invite you into real prayer. Real prayer before God, broken hearts and all. Praying that God would use us to hold out the word of life in this community that desperately needs Him. Praying that God would make us better husbands and wives and fathers and brothers and sisters and neighbors. Praying that His will would be done in our life starting right this moment. Starting right now. It's surrender. It's not coercion. Would you pray with me?